And sometimes, say you're making a team decision out in the field, you're not going to have time for that. You just got to do whatever your gut's telling you or or your team leader's gut's telling you. As long as you have that trust built up, there shouldn't be any issues. But one of the ways you can overcome any issues out in the field is shoot your team leader. You're listening to the Defro Airsoft Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hefe's Airsoft Solutions. Use code DEFRO10 at checkout. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the DEFRO Show. Today, we are sitting down with the one and only call sign Lance from Sierra 32. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me on. I'm Callsign Lance. I'm a small YouTuber from Missouri. I play a lot of airsoft at a couple local paintball fields. Primarily, I used to go to an airsoft field, but I, I near us. But now I started traveling around with the team and recording videos, recording funny moments, all that good stuff. Nice. Yeah, it's it's so much fun when you can play at a, a different airsoft field each week. When you're playing at the same field and you got that home field, it's great. But there's nothing like exploring a, a new field, playing against different foes, and you know, playing that away game. Yeah, that that was really something that was kind of a culture shock to me. Was when we first started traveling. The one of the first places we went to was Chicago, and playing up there, it we were dominating. I mean, they they're very relaxed in the way they play. They aren't as serious as us down here. So when we went up there, we were shredding. <laughs> I like this. This uh, it sounds like a challenge to everyone in Chicago. Yeah, bring it, Chicago. All right, Chicago, you've heard them. <laughs> All right, man. So I I know Ruby, and I know Ruby is all about those stealth kills. And I've seen some of your footage too. And you take someone out with a spoon. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about uh, stealth in uh, airsoft gameplay. All How right. important is camouflage? in regards to stealth it's very important and well i'll say it's very important most of the time so the thing with stealth is it you can have some crappy camo and have it work out just fine as long as you're being quiet stay low stay quiet you'll be all right but i am a camouflage connoisseur and am very picky about what camo i wear and depending on which field I go to and all that. And I even have a map saved on my phone of all the different camouflage patterns for each different state and region and all of that. So if I know I'm going to go play out in Florida, I've got Tropic Multicam and Marpat that I can wear, uh, the Swamp Marpat. But if I'm going to go play out in, say, Oklahoma, a Rhodesian brushstroke would be better or... I, or even in some parts of Oklahoma, a tricolor desert. Interesting. So you're actually looking at the terrain uh, before you go out, and then you're matching that to the the BDU that you're going to be wearing. Yes. And actually, here I have some examples. All right. All right. So, Tropic Multicam is what I wear most of the time. I, mm -hmm. It's just team uniform. It looks good. But say. Say we do go somewhere. I've got my tricolor. Okay. For a more arid environment. But I find what works the best in the Midwest anyway, especially like late summer into early fall, is this. I'm not entirely too... It's a Under Armour camo. And you can find it on, on Amazon. Works really well. This was the first one I ever got. And it didn't doesn't have any of the patch space or anything but it kept me warm kept me going and it kept me camouflaged okay nice now just to link this to like a more personal question um i heard that you are colorblind how does colorblind link how does being colorblind link into the uh the bdu that you wear so with me being colorblind i'm able to match up the patterns all right and you know having that map as a reference is really good for when I'm going out somewhere else. But out in the field, my colorblindness is actually an advantage. Because I don't because I don't see as much red cones. My red cones are like screwed. So I barely see any red light. 
but my green cones are hyperactive trying to make up for the red cones. And so I see more shades of green than the average person, allowing me to see through ghillie suits, through a, a woodland camo, all of it. I can pick out people really quick out in the woods. Nice. So you're like that little drone that I've been seeing them use in the Ukraine war that has the uh, AI technology. It flies over the battlefield. And it's like, there's a tank there. There's a guy there. There's yep. someone in that house. Like you can just recognize everything. Yeah, for sure. I, it, but if I went out to say Colorado and played like near Red Rocks, if you're wearing a red camo, I'm not going to see it. Okay. So basically you're the predator. Yeah. A, a little bit. All right, man. I like that. Um, all right, let's talk some more about uh, stealth. What are some key principles to keep in mind when it comes to stealth and infiltration? So with stealth, I'll start out with stealth before I get into infiltration. So with okay. stealth, one of my main principles from growing up hiking as a kid, and my parents taught me this, was to always watch where I step. Don't trust rocks. Don't trust sticks. Just go over them. If you get around that, you make less noise in the woods, you get to see more things. So over the years, I've just gotten really good at walking quietly through the woods, even in boots, and being able to pick up the pace a bit. It's a little harder uh, to measure out where you're stepping, but like, look at that leaf before you step on it, because it could crunch or it could just be a soft leaf and it'll make no noise. So you want to use things like that to your advantage. Leaning on things helps too because it breaks up your shape. So if I've got a tree right here and I push up to lean while I'm walking, it breaks up the pattern of my body. You know, using that concealment is really good. Even though I'm not completely behind the tree, it takes away that human shape. So now with infiltration, on the other hand, I've noticed that airsofters particularly, as long as they aren't ex-military, law enforcement, whatever, aren't very, how do I put this? Good at this? Uh, they are very observant. That's the word I was hmm. looking for, observant. Okay. Because, so when I got that stealth kill, which you can see in my intro, I walked up about 300 feet feet of woods, just just walking. There were two guys to the left of the guy I killed, who are like, "What? Like, what's going on here?" And I I just ran up and I tapped the dude. I tapped him with the spoon. I got him out, and that's when they realized. And then they opened fire on me. I didn't see them, so I didn't have a chance to do anything about it anyway because my uh, my P90 ran out of ammo, and uh, Spoon's gun wasn't working. Uh, his uh, AAP-01 that I was using wasn't working, so he gave me his spoon, where he gets the name from, and I ran upfield and did that. If you do weird things like that, most of the time people are going to be like, "What?" and not, and be either be so shocked that they're not going to do anything, or just not going to do anything because they think you're walking back to spawn or whatever. Another thing is flanking. Flanking's great. Oh, just yeah. Go. I'm all about that. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've seen your videos where you, you'll just flank around. And you'll go all the way up the right side and then come around behind them and take out like four. Yeah. It takes a long time, but it's very, very worthwhile. I, oh, uh, yeah. I love it. That's the only way I want to play. Yeah. So flanking's great. And that's not a thing that's really utilized unless people are working in a team environment. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you need someone to distract the person so you can move from point to point. Comms helps so much, but yeah, yeah. Having, a, having a battle buddy, you can flank really, really well because two eyes, well, actually, four eyes are, uh, are better than two. Yeah. I, and the comms, on the comms side of things with infiltration, it can be really good to help you flank because yeah. I, I was sitting in the back with a sniper rifle and I was just watching this little game trail waiting for people to run up it because that's where they run. So I was cocked and ready to go. And all of a sudden I hear in my, I, I had an earwig at the time 
and I hear in the earwig that my team's being ambushed. This was my first team before I joined Sierra. And all the guys were dead, but they're looking around for more. And I, because I was behind where they were ambushed out, everybody's attention was focused in the center. And I took out, I hit one guy with the sniper rifle. He screamed at the top of his lungs because I got him in like the fleshy soft bit, look in the lower ribs. In the love handles. Yeah. And he screamed. And his buddy laughed. That gave away his position, and I got him. And then two or three other people came running up towards my position. I took, I took the first guy out with the sniper rifle, and then I realized it was empty. So I switched over to my hater revolver and got the last two guys out. And as I'm reloading the, uh, as I'm reloading the sniper rifle, what? One more guy comes flying up, and I hit him in the chest with the hater because I had been practicing my draws. So cool. it, I got it down to draw to fire under a second. I was at like .83 or something like that. And I drew it out, hit him in the chest three times, and he was all ticked off because his MP7 wasn't working. It was a gas blowback MP7, and he was dry firing. Yeah. And wait, how? Shouldn't that have slide locked? I, I I have no idea. He was like dry firing it, and then he goes bang, 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 and I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't think you can bang, bang if you're out of bullets, right? Yeah, you can't bang, bang if you're out of bullets or if your gun's broken. Hmm. So because that gun won't go bang, bang. Yeah. So he went and told someone else, and then they caught me off guard and got me. But I got like seven kills. <laughs> nice, dude. That that's how you do it. Like, yeah. um. Stealth um, infiltration is so important. Like I was watching, um, I think it was Silo recently, and he mm-hmm. made a uh, ghillie suit out of garbage. Have you seen this? Oh yeah, it's so good. And then he's just sitting like in a hallway, in a well lit hallway. Yeah. And someone walks past him, and he just shoots them, and they're like, "What?" They they call the hit, even though they can't see who shot them, which is great sportsmanship. Yes. But he was just a big pile of garbage. And uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how well that will work for like uh, like a pickup game or like an open play, but because you know you you can see everyone pretty well at the start. But yeah, and like using that for a mill sim or something like that, where you don't have that much communication with the other team, and you have a really wide environment. Mm-hmm. Dressing up in garbage, brilliant. Yeah, another another YouTuber who's great at stealth. And I've got to give him a shout out here is Jay Drac. Okay. Oh, Jay Drac. Yeah, yeah, I know him. He has those, uh, that really cool HUD animation. Yeah. It, it, and he does all the parkour and stuff. And yeah, man, he uses drones. Like his new drones are really good. Yeah. I, I love the one where he, he's hanging off the side. He's dead hanging off the side of that window. And he pulls himself up, draws out, gets one guy. And then let's go, drops down to the next floor, and gets another guy. Yeah, he's uh, amazing. Um, yeah, we can't do any of that in Japanese airsoft. All of those moves are very, very illegal. Yeah, um, but it looks so much fun. I would, uh, I'd love to play uh, a game with him. Yeah. So Jay Derek, if you're out there, hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Nice. Nice. Um, next point here. What are some common mistakes or pitfalls to avoid when uh, attempting stealth or infiltration in airsoft? So the most common, uh, the most common stealth mistake I see people making is, sorry, I'm trying to process. So the most common stealth mistake I see people making out on the field is they don't know how to walk quietly in boots. That's me. That's me. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, you'll hear, you'll hear a boot step. It, it, it takes a lot of practice to get that light foot down and you got to go really slow at first to learn it. So if you're trying to do stealth and you're not good at using, uh, at the boot steps, then try using tennis shoes. If it's a field where you can, pl- where you can use tennis shoes and you're not going to be worried about twisting an ankle or whatever, 
or at least soft bottom uh, soft bottom uh, boots work really well too because uh, they're not as heavy but that's a good way to get started with the stealth stuff I've seen people wear the barefoot shoes where you got the toes oh yeah yeah I've been wanting to try those out because those I, I I don't like wearing shoes all the time like I like sandals and I like boots but okay. in between it's not a I I, I go no barefoot one. pretty much everywhere else <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I I learned that lesson uh, myself. So when I played uh, Woodlands recently, I was just making way too much noise, and all my team have done like some army training. Like, dude, you're way too noisy when you're walking. I'm like, what? I'm just walking normally. But now you have to walk like heel toe. You have to mm -hmm. you know bend the knee. You have to use the crouch walk and stuff like that. You have to look where you're stepping. You have to really uh, reduce your sound profile because you can hear people coming uh, when you play in Woodlands. And if you're playing speed QB or you're playing like inside and there are, you know, there's a concrete floor or something, just wear sneakers. Yeah. You are so much quieter. It's literally it's in the game. as if sneakers were made for sneaking. Exactly. <laughs> I don't wear boots for speed QB anymore. Like you could, yeah. you just hear me coming, especially like up and down stairs and stuff. It's just like clang, 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 clang. It's like, oh, here he comes. Yep. But I'm slightly quieter in sneakers. Yeah, another thing I see people making the mistake of when it comes to stealth, they're not staying low. You gotta be low. Hmm. And if you don't have enough cover, lay down. Go prone and crawl. It sucks, but if you want to be quiet, that's a really good way of doing it. Because you disperse your yeah. surface area but over, if you're a six foot dude, you're dispersing it over six plus feet with your arms out and just slowly crawling. And I've gotten people out that way. I've just laid in a bush and waited for people to walk by. That's a really good stealth tactic. Because, I mean, think about the way snakes operate and why people get bit, you know? Because all of a sudden, they get stepped on, bang, you know? Yeah, like, I find um, a lot of people don't want to go prone uh, just because it's it's kind of scary. Especially, like when you're in the bush or something like that because you have to crawl through the dirt, you have to crawl through the shrubs and stuff. You're going to see bugs. There'll be spiders and snakes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're wearing a little bit of gear, so you're okay. The yeah. thing that... The reason I don't like going prone is because if you're going to get shot anywhere when you're going prone, where are you going to get shot? In that Typically top of the head. Right in the head, right in the mouth, right in the nose. So... If you're Not wearing like head a dye mask or something, you're all good. Mm -hmm. But if you're just wearing glasses, you got no uh, no lower face protection, you're going to get it in the nose, you're going to get it in the mouth. So if you've just got that lower face protection on, you'll be fine. You don't need to be scared, but uh, you will get shot in the face. <laughs> yeah, I typically don't get shot in the face I, when I'm going prone, mostly because I put my head to the side like I'm swimming. Okay. So like it, freestyle. It, it, keeps, it keeps the profile lower. And I, another thing is, I typically wear a helmet, so it, when I do get shot in the top of the head, it doesn't hurt as bad. Well, it doesn't hurt at oh, all. Oh, yeah, that's good. Or a hat, so it doesn't hurt as bad. And another thing is, if you're going to be doing this, wear a lower face, bro. Or don't complain about getting shot in the mouth. <laughs> yep, that's what Airsoft Dad says. Yep. You can complain, but we're not going to listen. Yeah, exactly. Headshots I mean, are just part of the game again. Nice, man. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, if you can go prone, like, sneaking up on enemies is so much fun. And it's actually quite hard to get shot going prone, especially when people don't know where you are because they're going to be firing above you. And I've had times where you're just, like, crawling through the bush and stuff like that, and you got all the BBs flying over your head. It's so much fun. It feels like you're in a real, like, uh, action movie. Yeah. I, my, I, so I started out with paintball, and that was always the craziest feeling. Hearing them go right by your ear while you're laying prone in a trench, and now you, now that I've moved into airsoft, just a flick of the switch and it's fired right past your ear, right. Ah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. And now for a commercial break. Are you looking for a company that puts the community first? Look no further than Hefe's Airsoft Solutions. 
The founding principle of Hefe's Airsoft Solutions is to offer a way for players of all types to get the greatest experience possible. Their passion is making a difference in local communities and serving each of their customers with the utmost respect. Become part of the conversation by joining hundreds of fellow Airsofters in the Discord server. There, you can find out about upcoming events, sales, giveaways, and more. Join us today and start enjoying all that Hefe's Airsoft Solutions has to offer. Together, we can make a difference in our community. And for listeners of the podcast, tap into the power of the code DEFRO10 and save 10% on your next purchase at hefe'sairsoftsolutions.com. Some exclusions apply. The more you use the code, the more it helps the podcast. Okay, back to the podcast. <laughs> All right, man. Last question now about stealth. Founding from cover to cover is incredibly important. And, you know, it's also the best time to shoot your opponent. So what are some tips for effectively moving or transitioning between cover or concealment in a match? So with the transition between cover and concealment, one of the main things I do is I slide. If I'm going from a 55-gallon drum here to a building here, I am, first off, start off low, like a sprint. You're just going to book it across and slide and slide on your ass. Don't slide on your face. <laughs> sliding on your face hurts. Let's live by. But if you slide on your ass, it's not a ton of noise as long as you don't hit the cover. And try to, when you're behind cover, try to stay a, at least six inches from whatever your cover, whatever cover you're hiding behind. If you want to reduce your noise signature, because gear's gonna whack into it. You know, you you've got your gun. If you move it wrong, bang, and then everybody knows. Oh, fifty-five gallon drum. Lance is hiding back there because I could hear his gun, uh, the barrel of his gun just hit the drum. Yeah, man, exactly. So, like, when you move up to cover, don't press up against the wall. Stay back a little bit from it. You're going to have better sight lines. You're going to be quieter. And they're not going to know you're there. Nice. I agree with that. And another thing is, if you're getting shot at and you're hiding a little bit further back from cover, it doesn't pin you right against the wall. Don't move. Because then you have more room to move because they're hitting the cover. You can always run backwards. It's okay to yeah. retreat. Oh, yeah. And, man, that's that's something I love doing. So I'll move up to cover. And then as soon as, uh, basically, I'm made, uh, I'm, I'm going to retreat. So I'm going to either, yeah, I'll either retreat or try to move left and right. So, you know, spray them a little bit, suppress them. Then you transition. And then you wait for them to move up. And as soon as they move up, you just bait them and shoot them. So, yeah, don't stay in cover after you've been made. You, you need to move. Yep. Every time you hit someone, run. <laughs> just get out of there. Yeah, it reminds me. Um, Ruby was saying the same thing. It's like, yeah, he's, he sees, like, uh, you know, real operators that join the uh, the airsoft games and they'll spend half the match just hiding in cover in the same cover. He's like, dude, what are you doing? Move. <laughs> And it's great advice. If you want to enjoy the game more, move. Yeah. Anytime you're staying in cover, you're not having fun. Mm -hmm. uh, move around the field, transition between cover. And it, it's pretty easy to not get shot while you're moving between cover because if you're moving like in a straight line and you're moving directly towards the enemy, they're going to shoot you. But if you're not moving in a straight line, if you're running horizontally from the enemy and you're only running like five meters or something, it's really hard for them to shoot you because you have to lead the shots. You've got the delay in the BB coming. So unless the person's like five, 10 meters away from you, you're probably fine just because mm -hmm. the BB's not going to reach you in time. Yeah. So let's uh, switch it up now and uh, talk a little bit about uh, psychological warfare. Um, I hear that uh, you like to employ some of these tactics uh, on the battlefield. All right, man. So how can psychological warfare tactics be effectively employed in an airsoft game to gain a strategic advantage over opponents. So in airsoft, you can strategically use psychological warfare to your advantage from things like intimidation tactics. If your field allows it, flip it on full auto and start shooting at their cover because that's oh, your yeah. piss out of people. I love it. 
You get EVs hitting against the wall that they're hiding behind, they won't move. So mm-hmm. it's a strategic way to make them go, oh, fuck, he knows where I am. Even though you may not know where where they are. And it keeps them pinned in there while your team can move up. And you can move up in a flank or you could use any of the stealth tactics that we talked about prior and be able to capture that objective and move in. And grenades are really effective once you get up there. Oh, dude, 100%. That's literally my favorite move uh, with Airsoft. Um, as soon as you find where someone is, just pinning them down. Uh, if it's a semi-only match, that's fine. Just keep hitting them on that semi. Yep. They will be able to move. Uh, if you're allowed to use full auto, just mag dump that cover. And it is terrifying, especially if the cover is metal. Like, the <laughs> noise it makes is incredible. Uh, if they're in, like, a, some type of, like, box or something like that, Shooting into the box and then having the BBs ricocheting absolutely oh, yeah. everywhere inside, like in a treehouse or something, is terrifying, especially when multiple people are doing it. Yep. You can't move. You can suppress pillboxes and stuff just like this and have one person just shoot the shit out of it and have everyone else just flank it and then just light it up. It works every time. Yeah. And the amount of people I see not doing this is crazy. Like some fields don't allow you to use suppression. Mm-hmm. And some players don't like it, but hey, it's a legit tactic. If it's in the rules, if you're allowed to do it, it's all good. But I'm I'm going to be doing it, and if I don't have a team with me, I'll do it by myself. Yeah, I will find someone in cover. I will suppress them and just run up to them while suppressing them, and they don't expect you to cover those like thirty meters in a few seconds. Nope. And they pop back out, and you're right there. It's beautiful. Yeah, and when you get them, it destroys them psychologically for the rest of the game. <laughs> And another tactic I like to use is with suppression is if I'm in a firefight and we're trading BBs, right? We're popping out from, say, we're each behind a building, right? And I'm popping out. I'll fire like pop, 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 pop. And then I'll go back in and then I'll go down low and then I'll come back out and then I'll go pop, pop. And I change up where I pop out at and how many BBs I shoot to keep them guessing. Because when I go, if they're expecting me to pop back up high and I stay low and I, I can nail them most of the time. Nice. Yeah. That's the, the paintball high low. Yeah. Cause that works really well. Um, here's, here's a, a move that uh, I saw someone uh, use in a YouTube video. I was quite, quite impressed by it. Um, so what the uh, the guy did, he actually um, was in cover, and then he peeked once and saw where the enemy was, and then he went back into a hit, went back into cover, and then aimed his red dot sight exactly where the enemy would be, and then he just popped once, and as he popped, he shot and moved back, and took him out in one shot, absolutely perfectly. So it, it was like pre-aiming. Yeah, it was uh, it was beautiful. Yeah, that pre-aim uh, with the pre-fire gets a lot of people. Mm. Now, I <laughs> I stole another tactic from uh, from this. That's how you get better. Yeah, I stole I stole a tactic from this old this old uh, military story about these U.S. soldiers who in Iraq or Afghanistan they were knocking on doors and they had to breach this one compound and. The lead guy, the breacher, adds the door open for him. He throws in what everybody thought was a flashbang. But it was one of these. A rubber duck. Yep. Nice. It caught everybody off guard. They went in and it just destroyed everybody. It, it, Man, it, I I do the same thing. I love that. Um, I, I throw anything I can into a room. Um, yep. Lots of times I, I carry just fake grenades with me because uh, I use real grenades too, but the, the prep time on them is really annoying because we can only use gas. Yeah. So lots of the time, people don't call the hits anyway. So instead, like when um, I go into siege a room or to clear a room or something, you just throw a magazine into the room I've or you throw an empty, um, e- empty grenade into the room and you just hype it up like an absolute idiot you're like all right grenade out and you throw it make a really big noise and they're just gonna flinch yeah and as soon as they flinch you just run in there 
and they don't think you're going to run in because no one's going to run into mm -hmm. their own grenade. Yeah. So as soon as you say like grenade out, you're almost running and you know, you're probably going to die, but you can still clear the room of everyone and then your team can move in. And it's, uh, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 one of the best parts about using a rubber duck. Also, I've got call sign Lance YouTube on there and then get ducked. So they, so they know who killed them. Nice. Yes. But one of the best parts is you can use this even outdoors. If someone's behind a piece of cover and you throw this over there, they're going to be like, what the hell? They'll get distracted. You can run up on them. I think you could take this to the next level. Do you know that big, yellow, annoying rubber chicken? <gasps> oh, yeah. If you squeeze that, it lets out the most annoying cry. Yes. So if you squeeze that really well and then you throw it in, it's going to scream. They're going to look at it and then, you know, they die. Yeah. I'm going to do that now. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, these are called quack bangs. Okay. That, that's what they're referred to in the uh, military meme community. It sounds like something Darkwing Duck would use. I don't know who Darkwing Duck is. Ah, uh, we're, we're a different age. Uh, I'm guessing you're 25-ish? I am 21. Ah, that's why you don't know who Duck, Darkwing Duck is. Okay. <laughs> Do you know DuckTales? Yes. Woohoo. And spotted ducktails. Okay. Yeah. Just not really. We are, we are a different generation. We are. But that's all right. <laughs> it's all good. Okay. Now, with psychological warfare, I know some people are opposed to using it, like, especially in Japan. It's kind of a hot topic. So, what are some ethical considerations surrounding the use of psychological warfare in airsoft? So, I would say if you're using it, if you're going to use psychological warfare in airsoft, first of all, be nice. Don't be a dick. Because that, that's how psychological warfare gets a bad rep. Is Because people can use that to be like, oh my god, I can't believe you fell for that, blah, 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 blah. No, just laugh it off. You fell for it. It's okay. Sun Tzu even said, all warfare is based on deception. Mm -hmm. it, it's just a part of the sport. And uh, just be polite with it and... You know, you could even teach them how it works. And so that way they can implement it later. And then maybe some people won't get fall for the same trick twice. I like that. It sounds, it's, I like that. It's uh, similar to something Poet said. Um, so he's an airsofter over in Cali. Mm -hmm. And he was like, uh, every airsofter you play against is crucial for your development. Yes. Like if they be Milsim, if they be uh, Speed QB, if they're cheating. Uh, if they're aggressive, if they're passive, it doesn't matter. They're going to teach you how to play against. They they're going to teach you how to play against them, how to win against them. If you're only playing against the same people all the time, you're never going to get better. But if you need to figure out how do I beat this Russia, how do I beat this camper, how do I meet this guy, how do I beat this guy that just has all the grenades, it makes you better. It gives you a better skill set. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I would completely agree with that because I've I've even had some experiences just like that. I played Speedsoft for the first time. I'm more of a Millsim scrimmage type of guy. I love the realism of the sport. And that's all we all do. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole reason I left this, uh, left paintball was I wanted more realism. So, but I did end up playing a Speedsoft match and it boosted my confidence in my ability to push up, uh, push up and to be able to take out people because I was just a new guy. You know, I went to a tournament and you know i was like the oh what do they call that like the wild card team and we had one professional on the team and then we were playing against like i use pro loosely but pro level players and you know i took a couple out and i was like okay i know i can do this for next time and you know i've had experiences where i've had a cheater uh just firing full auto. I hit him in the face a couple times. He wasn't calling it. I called my hit. I go back to spawn. I see another dude walking up. He got hit by that same guy. And then we came up with a team tactic. And we pulled a double rush on him. And just full autoed him. Because it was it, yeah. it was allowed at our field. So we just double rush and full autoed him until he would call it. 
Yeah, dude, I, I love doing that. When you can uh, buddy rush and one goes left, one goes right. Yep. One of you might eat it, but he's not going to take out both of you. Yeah. And it's a really efficient way. Uh, it's a really efficient way to win a game. Like we just call that the pain train. Yeah. Because uh, one of you get one of you is getting taken out, but the train it doesn't stop. <laughs> nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last question now for a psychological warfare. Are there any countermeasures or defensive strategies that you can use to combat someone using psychological warfare? For the most part, not really, but just trust your gut. If your gut's telling you that something's off with the way someone said frag out, you know, they used it too loosely like they were lying, they probably threw something else in there and just wait to push. Now, so those are things that you kind of have to just look out for on the field uh, once your adrenaline co cools down after the first couple of games. Nice. Good advice. Good advice. All right, man, let's play a game. Uh, this game is called Screensaver. We are looking at my screensaver. I have some different images that were uh, submitted by different followers. I would like you to tell me what each of these guns are. You'll have two or three seconds per gun. Are you ready? Yep. All right, man, let's go. HK-417. CMG Mutant, Terran Tactical Sand Viper, HK Jerky 36C, that is an AK-74, that's an RPK-74, not too sure which one that one is, I think that's a saw, that is a... MP5, ARP9, KWA EVE series, that looks like a Sega 12, CAR 98, MP5K, that M16A2, Salient Arms Glock clone, MP7. That is a high kappa. That's a MP9. Aug A3. That EMG L85. That is the KWA MP5 clone. That's a six spear. AAP01. M1 carbine. Uh, STG44. Steyr uh, Scout. That looks like a 416. That's a Scar 17, the light model. That's a Chris Vector. That is an AAP-01 in a MP7 kit. That is a FN-2000. That is some sort of bolt action. Uh, PP-2K, uh, and then Scorpion Evo-3. A Glock-19. Mac 10 Sig P226. Blanken. And then a 417. Nice. Good work, man. All right. All right. Everyone, uh, let him know uh, how we went to the comments. I feel like I did all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you did pretty well. Um, You got about 80% right. But uh, yeah, no. a lot of them are tricky. Yeah. I don't know what that oh, one bull pup was. That one was that one caught me off guard. Um, the one at the end. Yeah. Uh, Magpul PDRC. Oh, that's why I didn't know it. Because yeah, I, I just like, heard about um, PDRC last week for the first time. So. Yeah, it's a prototype. It was never released in the real world. It's you know airsoft only. Yeah. Yeah. Nice work, nice work, man. Even like me, I know every one of those guns. I've got the name written. But even when I try to do this, I fuck up one or two. So yeah. it's all good. All right, let's have a look at the next topic now. Let's jump into uh, team dynamics. 
So what role does effective communication play in enhancing team dynamics during airsoft games? It plays the primary role of uh, team dynamics because if you can communicate to your buddy what's going on with you and he can communicate to you, there is nothing you guys cannot accomplish out there. Good communication, good leadership skills will push you towards that objective really quickly and efficiently. Yeah, dude, I agree 100%. It's all about communication. If you can communicate over comms, if you can communicate with hand signs, or if you can be like me and just yell at people, it gets shit done. Yeah, I enjoy yelling. Yeah, man, when you're wearing a die mask, though, in the field like I am, you, you can't really hear or um, hear people all that well. So you, you can be yelling at people, and they're like, what? And they yell back at you, you're like, what? <laughs> so, like, indoors, die mask's pretty good, but, like, when you're using die for, like, woodlands and stuff, oh, I can't hear anything. Yeah, I'd like to get a die mask uh, for the speedsoft portion of what I play in the indoor CQB, just so I don't have to wear the separate lower face pro in my goggles. Yeah, um, die masks are absolutely perfect for speed QB and for playing in summer. They're really good for like little five minute matches and stuff like that. But when you need to do like lots of talking and communication and stuff like that, it's uh, it's harder. Yeah, but they don't fog, which is fantastic. Yes. All right, let's go a little deeper now. So let's have a look at uh, building rapport, building a team. How can a team leader foster trust and camaraderie? among team members in high-pressure situations. A team leader can foster trust and camaraderie just through remembering that it is not their team, it's our team. When you remind yourself to keep everybody included in whatever decision-making is made, because we don't play like it's the military, we don't have ranks. I know some them teams do, but that's not how we operate. It's very much a Knights at the round table situation and creating that effective communication and leading by example are great ways to get trust and camaraderie within the team. Exactly. It's all about involvement. You can't just boss people out and say, you do this, you do that. You talk to people, you get their input and stuff, you get their buy-in and stuff, you know what you're doing and why. And basically, you know that by having like a, a team leader for what you're using, you're going to have more fun. So when the team leader says, all right, you do this and you do that, you know why you're doing it. And then you're able to have fun and work as a team. So yeah, 100%. Just think as a group, use we, not I. Yes. I like that. What are some common challenges that teams face when working together? And how do you overcome these problems? So a common challenge that from my experience in both paintball and airsoft that a lot of teams face is no, either no one wants to take the leadership position or everybody wants the leadership role. Oh yeah. yeah, Cause yeah. there's always that, there's always going to be that one central guy you go to for just about everything. Yeah. But the OG. Yeah. But everybody's decision still matters in what the team does. And sometimes say you're making a team decision out in the field. You're not going to have time for that. You just got to do whatever your gut's telling you or or your team leader's gut's telling you. As long as you have that trust built up, there shouldn't be any issues. But one of the ways you can overcome any issues out in the field is shoot your team leader. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. But what in the back? Always. Yeah, always. I, I've done it a couple times, actually. And that's not a joke. There's footage of it online. Um, but no, uh, just out in the field, trust your gut instinct. Like that's the best way you can overcome those issues. If it's off the field and it's within, uh, say one person has a problem with another person on the team, either they figure out a way for them to compromise and come to an agreement and conclude that argument, or if it gets serious, ask one of them to remove themselves from the team. It's a hard bullet to bite, but it's one that's kind of necessary sometimes. Yeah, really all of this just comes down to expectations. And when people form expectations differently, it creates like entitlement, resentment and stuff like that. And this is really where everything bad comes from. So really, if you're able to have 
really good expectations with your team. You can explain everything really well. You can set the scene really well and, and let everyone know what to expect. You really don't get any problems. But when someone expects A to happen and when another person expects B to happen and they haven't been told otherwise, they're going to they're gonna get angry. So controlling expectations, setting expectations, and most of all, aligning expectations yep. is how you just make everything work. Yes. You need to be a good communicator and you need to uh, you need to talk to people. Yeah. Like <laughs> you said, it all just falls back on that effective communication. Exactly. So let's go a little deeper now. What are the key elements of effective leadership in an airsoft team? So from my experience, the key effective elements of a leadership role are going to be trusting your people, creating trust for your pe for your people to trust you. Being an effective communicator is huge. If you're not good at communicating, you're really not going to be a good leader because when shit hits the fan, you need to know how to say things quickly, effectively, efficiently, and still have the team backing up your trust. If they don't back you up, maybe you should move out of the leadership role and into another spot on the team unless someone who can take over that spot. Nice. I like that. Uh, I find what uh, we do with our team is uh, we change the leadership role uh, every few games. So we normally run a, uh, a four-man cell, mm -hmm. and then basically whoever is a point man is the leader, and you have to do what the point man says. So if the, if the point man moves up, you move up. You have to cover the point man. The second man covers the point man. The you know third man covers the second, and you have to play your role. And I absolutely love it because when I get to make the decisions, I normally make the wrong ones, and I get myself and the team killed. I learn from it. Yep. And then, you know, when I'm playing second or third man is where I find I'm able to shine a lot better because, you know, I, I can always push up. I, I'm not scared of, you know, being aggressive, running through fire and stuff like that. It's incredibly fun. And then not having to worry about uh, making decisions is then more fun for me. But it's great to be able to play both. So mixing up the roles, allowing other people to be captain, it's... It's really important. It's how you get better. So yeah, mixing up the roles. Yeah. Out on the field, I really enjoy taking point. If I can take point, 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 point. If I can take point and say, I, I keep moving up the stairs and my, my second man comes out from behind and clears the hallway further, That that's just a great feeling because I know where he's at. He knows where I'm at. And if either of us get in trouble, one of us can move to the other. Nice. And... I find the great thing about knowing exactly what your role is, you don't need to communicate. You don't need to talk. Mm -hmm. um, if my uh, point man goes to the right and if there's like two corridors, he's go to the right, I'll automatically go to the left. Yep. I don't need to say which way do you want me to go. I cover his blind spot. So he goes left, I go right. He looks up, I look over here. And it's great because then you're silent, you're not communicating, you're not using comms or anything like that. You just instinctively know where to go. And, you know, it's a great bonding moment. I really like it. Like knowing someone has your back, you having someone's back, it's it's cool. Yeah. It's I, another great thing is about being point is, you know, that when you're pushing up, whoever's behind you, whether it be your second man or your third man, someone's got someone's got you covered from behind you don't have to worry about anybody sneaking up on you oh man the amount of times i've been killed from behind it sucks it really does but man the other thing i love about just doing this is when you're in like you know the four-man cell you don't need to worry about dying because you know that if you get taken out your team is getting that refrag in a second oh yeah it, and i love that because then you keep moving up yeah that's a great feeling because there's been scenarios where one of our team members would volunteer to be the VIP. Mm. And we had to, it, it was Ruby. Ruby had a, a Ruby volunteer to be the VIP. And he always runs the Viper hood with the ghillie suit attached to it. Yeah. But they get. And with the, the little predator gun. Yep. But he got, a, they forced him to wear this bright yellow vest. We were sure he loved that. We were able to push up and clear the area, and he sn somehow still snuck through the woods, came up on the flank, and actually scared the shit out of us because we lost That's the really second. But when he came up, we knew automatically what to do and regrouped. 
Yeah, well, it's the joys of like playing with an ex-marine. Like they know what to do. Oh yeah. All right, man. Let's have a look at terrain tactics now. So, first question: What are the advantages and disadvantages of using urban terrain in airsoft scenarios? So, there's quite a few disadvantages to urban combat, and that's something that we, as country, experienced when we started going over it during the Gulf, uh, the Gulf Wars and Middle East, and all of that was learning how to do urban tactics. And it provides a lot of disadvantage for the attackers, for that invading force to come in and be able to clear buildings and everything because the people who live there and are defending it know everything about the terrain. So it really comes down to knowledge of where you're playing. If you know this field really well, you're going to do all right because you'll know where the weak angles are, where the strong angles are, where you're most likely to get shot from, whether it be a second story or even a small hole in the ground that comes out from a basement area or whatever. What Once you have knowledge of the terrain, that's when you can start incorporating your advantages. And one of the advantages that the invading force would have in those scenarios would be being able to Take a corner knowing exactly what you're going to see before you see it. So if I am here on a building and I pop out and I already know there's a second window, a second story window, I'm going to assume there's a sniper in there or someone who's wanting to kill me. So I'm going to have that gun up and ready because once you've pushed in, you're probably already going to know if anybody's out in the street which most of the time they aren't yeah i like that man if you're able to predict where the enemy is going to be you are going to have so much fun mm -hmm. uh it's so true like when i play at my uh my local field uh i know the the ins and outs i know where enemy's going to pop out i know where the enemy can get to from the start if they run or if they walk i know that if i run here for 10 seconds the enemy can only pop out from these two points here and i being able to predict what the enemy's going to do, you've almost already won the game. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's look at a different consideration now. What about weather? In what ways does the weather and environmental conditions play a role in terrain tactics? So weather is a huge part of me going out to the field. When I go out to the field, I look at the weather. If I know it's going to rain, I know I don't have to stay as low because I'm already going to have some concealment if it's a heavier downpour. Because we play in the rain. We don't care. We just love the... That's cool. All right. So you're going to have more concealment in a rainstorm or in fog. Whereas on a brighter, sunnier day, you're going to have less concealment. So you got to stay lower. And it shifts the way the game is played. On a colder day, people are going to want to keep moving to stay warm. On a hot day, people are going to get exhausted quicker. They're more likely to hide behind cover and just stay in a spot. Well, once you know the spots, you can run up on them and get them. You just have to use that burst of energy. And you got to learn how to keep your endurance going and your stamina up. Because if you can't... Uh, cardio. Yeah. Ooh. Cardio sucks, but it's necessary. You know... Because you got to keep it up so that way you're able to make those pushes and able to capture the objectives. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Uh, I hate cardio, but you have to do it. And uh, yeah, the easiest way to get better at airsoft is to get fit. Yep. And I am a giant hypocrite though because I am not fit. I am I am unfit, unfit to do this podcast. <laughs> no, you're very fit to do this podcast. You're just unfit out on the field. That's also true. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I try to keep... No, I, I, I can run once. In a game, I'll have one one sprint in me. Yeah. That's what I was doing when I started out, but lately I've gotten a little more back into running and doing my push-ups every day. And, you know, when I first started playing, I was playing during the summer. I wasn't drinking water. Drink your water. Drink water. Yeah, seriously, hydrate. Because I'm holding up my AK, and it's 
full metal replica. And I'm going pop, 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 pop. And then, and my hand's doing this. It's just cramping. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I would call a hit. I'd go back to spawn. I'd massage out my hand, drink some water. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where it can really affect the way the game's played. And keep in mind, if you're playing the day after it rained, it's going to be muddy. And if you're one of the first people there, people are going to be able to see your footprints and know exactly where you are. And all the different paths people take, whether you go out into the grass or into the woods, there's still going to be tracks. And that's one thing that I think more airsofters should consider is the the way tracks are left because people step really hard when they run. But if you get those lighter steps then being a little more stealthy like we talked about previously, you're going to have less of a signature and even like kicking your foot a little bit might help cover up the track. Another thing to consider would be shadows on a sunny day. If I'm hiding behind... Oh, shadow is so important, especially for CQB. Oh, yeah. I, I, you, you can find everything with shadow. I just watched that clip of... You went right, your buddy went left, and you're posted up on a door. You've got your high kappa with the tracer unit. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, two shadows. That's exactly what I do. I, You count how many shadows are there, and then you wait for them to peek because they're not you keeping know. track of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, with CQB, like there's a different lights they have. Like they have like some lights that'll create like four shadows and stuff from you, and you just screw you. Like no matter where you go, someone can see one of your shadows. So that's the difference between like brand new players, like they will not know where their shadow is, but mm -hmm. you know, more advanced players will be keeping that shadow always behind cover and not trying to uh to lead with it because you just give away your position immediately. Yeah. And you get shot. Or I if mean, you can project your shadow across to the other wall, like say, see, like when you were posted up on that doorway, you had that light to the yeah. right of you, but your shadow is posting yeah. up on the other wall. So it's not as detectable. You just have that little bit on the ground. Yeah. So, and that could just be an obstacle in there for all they know. But if you're getting those human silhouettes, like what you were seeing, those are dead giveaways. So, yeah, especially as soon as the shadow moves, you shoot it. Yeah. So, shadows and weather and all of that play a very important role in how the game is played and how you can conceal yourself better. Agreed, agreed. All right, uh, next one. What are some common mistakes or misconceptions people have when it comes to utilizing terrain effectively in airsoft? People think that going straight up the hill is the best way to do things. It's not. It's called skylining, and it gives away where you are. And, you know... Especially in a milsim game, if you have 20, 30 people up on one hill that are at the horizon line, you it, if you have the opportunity to call an airstrike on their position, they're screwed. So that's one thing to think about for sure. And so you would want to move yourself a little further down the hill, not right at the top, because you don't want to be projecting that human silhouette from the sun. And then just walk across. Uh, do cover to cover if there's trees if there's no cover lay in the grass you know like we talked about earlier that crawling it'll get you to where you need to go it's going to take a while and it sucks but you'll get to where you need to go and you can accomplish your objective a little better that's one of the biggest mistakes I see nice I really like that I've never heard that term skylining but I can immediately just infer what it means it's, uh, it's very descriptive yeah. I like it all right, man. So how do you adjust your tactics when transitioning between different types of terrain, such as moving from an open field to a dense forest? So, you know, when I move from an open field to a dense forest, if the grass is low, I got to move quick through that open field because you don't want to be out in the open for long and you want to keep pushing. If it's tall, take your time, go a little lower, go into a crouch or even a crawl. Move across that field as quietly as you can. Get up to that tree line. Get three or four trees in, and then you should be okay to stop, take a break. But keep in mind your concealment behind a tree with leaning, or if you want to just keep pushing, 
Move from tree to tree quickly and quietly. It's the most efficient way to get you to your objective. Man, I, I agree 100% with that. that. That is some legit advice. Nice. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to the end of the uh, podcast today. Uh, thank you very much for sharing your expertise with us today, like talking about team tactics, uh, team dynamics, psychological warfare and stealth were all really fun topics so that was great all right so for the last part of the podcast let's do some shout outs uh the mic is yours feel free to shout out friends teammates sponsors anyone you like Alrighty. well first off i gotta shout out myself call sign underscore lance on youtube and instagram that's all you gotta look up i'll be there secondly the team sierra 32 we're the best airsoft team in the midwest and then very soon we'll be the best in the country so go check out Ruby the Great on Instagram and Spoon Airsoft on Instagram. They each have their YouTube channels linked in their bios. Go check them out. They're great guys. You'll love Spoon's content. You'll love Ruby's content. You'll love my content, I think, maybe, if you like me. <laughs> but yeah, go check them out. Be sure to go check out my sponsors. We got Hefe Airsoft Solutions. We've got Airsoft Dad. And we've got Bear Arms Tactical. All great. Hefe will take care of all of your AAP01 needs. Airsoft Dad will take care of your BB needs. And Bear Arms Tactical will take care of all of your Second Amendment merch and apparel. So be sure to go check them out. Yeah, exactly. Like, Hefe is the best. Like, much love for Hefe. Yeah. All right, man. So thank you very much for uh, coming on the podcast today. Uh, hopefully, one day I'll be able to uh, see you on the field and uh, shoot you. All right. <laughs> Not if I shoot you first, though. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hefe's Airsoft Solutions. Use code DEFRO10 at checkout.